Hello and welcome to the Georgia Tech Catholic Center podcast. I'm the chaplain here, Father Branson Hip. Um, and I'm Sarah Denson. I'm a fourth year business major at Tech. I'm Kate Schaefer. I'm a fourth year computer science major. And I'm Ben Shepard and I'm a third year business major. Yeah, I wanted to bring you guys on because uh, in Advent we had proposed reading He Leadeth Me by Father Walter Chizek. By the way, Father John offered whoever read the book he would buy an iced lemonade for. So (laughs) go to him and get a free iced lemonade. and so we wanted to have a follow-up to actually discuss the book because I was continually struck in reading it about how much this, and again, like a very quick background, Father Walter Chizek was a priest who went into Russia to minister to the people of Russia uh, during World War II. He felt called to go there, an American Jesuit, and was actually captured, was in uh isolation for a number of years and then in the hard labor camp and he ended up being in Russia for 23, 27 years. And so the book is the spiritual insights of his experience. And when I read this years ago and I was just so struck by the honesty of this man and the beauty of his faith, but it's not it's not pious in the sense of like it's just heavenly things. He's very honest about his weakness and fragility, but we wanted to propose this book because I really think a lot of it speaks to some of the difficulties that we've lived today in the time of coronavirus and quarantine and difficulties. So um, I wanted to like have a discussion and just to hear like you guys' experience of reading it of like, was this helpful and, and um, did this like speak to your life today? So, but I know Sarah and, Kate, you guys actually read this book together with Caitlin. Yeah, we did. Um, it was really great just like reading it together. Um, we like split it up in about three parts, I think, and we would just read it together and then um, discuss it chapter by chapter, what stuck out to us. And so it was just really beautiful hearing what like struck Kate and Caitlin that didn't necessarily strike me, and I really enjoyed it. So I would recommend reading it with other people for sure. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it as well, and I think there were some parts that we, like, also did both um, have them stick out to us, so it was kind of cool to see, like, how it impacted Sarah and how we, like, have similar struggles, but then also how it, like, impacted us differently. And Ben, like, you just read this book on your own over break, or, like, yeah, what was your experience? Yeah, so I did, obviously, seeing that Father Branson recommended it, um, and I was looking for something to read over break. I told myself I was going to read some more books over break, so I thought, why not read this one? Um, he says it's really good, and I trust him. So I really wanted to give it a shot. And then I remember one time before break, I was listening to a Father Mike Schmidt's homily, on uh, a podcast, and he mentioned the book and an example from it, and I was like, okay, I have to read it now. Um, so I read it over break, um, just by myself, over like the span of two weeks, and it was really good. I really enjoyed just hearing a specific experience like that and how just his faith was formed through such difficult times, um, just really stood out to me and I really did enjoy it. Yeah, and I part of the reason I wanted to read this book is so often we don't think that the Christian life is really possible for us within our experience. And I, I really am convinced we have to see it lived within the life of another and that this is the method of God, the incarnation, right? Father Justine would always say, friends, that is, witnesses. And so he is like a, I think Father Walter Chizek is a real friend in the sense of he's a witness. But I'd, be, I'd really like to hear specific things from the text that stuck out to you and like a kind of why and, and like how that's like changed the way that you look at life. 
Um, I can start. So something that really stuck out to me was when Father Walter was in um, Lubyanka, which was like a prison, I guess, um, in Russia. And he, I don't remember how long he was there, but it was basically solitary confinement. So he was just like in a cell by himself, nothing there, and had like very monotonous days. And early on in his stay, he like said this quote, he said, as the endless tedium of solitary confinement began to get to me, I decided to arrange some order and division into the day. I made up for myself what we used to call in the Jesuit houses at home, a daily order. So he did things like in the morning, he would wake up, say a morning offering, like do all these different things. Like he had a schedule for his day. And that really stuck out to me because I remember when quarantine first started, like last March, Father Branson kind of proposed that, I think, in some sort of message, I don't know when, um, but just kind of establishing order in our lives. And so that's something that I've kind of been trying to do um, more often over the past year. And even over break, like in those seven weeks we had off, something that I would try to do each morning is go to mass and pray. And that's a little thing, it took an hour and a half, but it was something that just really helped order my day, get me in the right mindset. And just, I saw it bear a lot of fruit um, in my life in other ways too. So I thought that was really helpful um, and applicable to our lives whether it was quarantine or just like on the weekend when you have nothing to do, like establishing order can be really good. Yeah, and I, I think I've seen it in myself and like when I, like on my off day, if I don't actually have an order to my off day, uh, it's easy to lose the whole time mm -hmm. and for it to actually not be restful. And I, it took me a really long time to discover in front of free time, that free time for me at least needs to be structured in some way in order for me to even be able to like choose the good things. And I think part of quarantine is like free time in the sense of you can do whatever you want with it, even within this like constraining setting. Mm -hmm. And it, it wouldn't make sense that we grow in freedom actually through adhering to an order. And yet I can't deny my experience of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And order doesn't like mean that it has to be something you don't like either. Like order can be like, yeah, I'm going to go to mass and then I'm going to go have coffee with a friend and then I'm going to read a book for a little while. And like, it can be leisurely too, I think, which is something that I don't always realize. Like establishing that leisure time can be really good. Um, so one thing that really stood out to me is so like Sarah was mentioning, Father Walter Chizak was in solitary confinement for a really long time. And then he actually got to leave and go to some work camps, which I think he was really excited about because there were actually people there. So it was a new opportunity, but there are challenges there as well. Um, and one of them was being able to see, say mass. So he really worked with the other prisoners in this work camp to find times to say mass and they would really go to great lengths to be able to do so. So they would um, have to do it in smaller groups so that people didn't see them or um, they would do it during breaks, during work, or they would have to wait you know, till free time in the evening or whatever that may look like. But I think it was really inspiring to me just like what great lengths they went to um, to say mass and to like participate in the mass. And there's this quote from Father Walter about this. He says, I was occasionally overcome with emotion for a moment as I thought of how he had found a way to follow and to feed these lost and straying sheep in the most desolate land. So I never let a day pass without saying mass. It was my primary concern each new day. I would go to any length, suffer any inconvenience, run any risk to make the bread of life available to these men. And I think that really just struck me, um, like the power of the Eucharist and like, you know, being in quarantine, like last spring, um, not being able to go to mass. I think there was like this longing to go back to mass, but now like, am I still aware of that? And like, do I still appreciate like what a gift it is to 
be able to receive the Eucharist every day. And yeah, just kind of thinking about like, do I take it for granted? And what would I be willing to go through to receive the Eucharist? So I was just really um, struck by that and thought it was really beautiful how much he desired to, um, to say Mass and to be able to give the Eucharist to everyone else there. Yeah, I agree. I'll say something really quick. I remember earlier in the book when he was still in solitary confinement, like right when he had just got, or like at the end when he was leaving, he said, I can't remember the exact quote, but just said like, he felt starved without like the sacramental presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Like it's just not the same um, going so long without it. And then the faith of the people in the camp, like trying and making sure they had the wine and the host be able to say mass, like smuggling that in, putting their lives at risk, like risking their food that they would get, just, I mean, the great lengths that they would go to to also help him make sure he would be able to say mass. It really stood out to me. I know he mentioned something specific, um, like Kate said, if they had to wait until like really late at night to be able to say mass, people would like, of the very limited food that they got, they would make sure they didn't eat it to like maintain the mass fast, which was just, I mean, shocked me. Just the fact that these people are barely surviving off any food and they're willing to go through those lengths, but it's still kind of hard for me to be able to like maintain a mass fast or something like that. Just their their faith um, and what they did and the lengths they went to just really stood out. Yeah, so struck by like just the heart of humanity of like we really can't live without meaning, you know? And I was thinking about what you were saying about him like desiring to give this to like the, these like men in the labor camp every day. I was thinking of this other priest, Father Vince Nagel, who's a hospital chaplain. He has this really beautiful book about his experience as a chaplain called Life Promises Life. But he says this very interesting thing where this discovery within himself of this capacity for generosity and the sense of others of bringing them Christ, where he says, I often think about how I don't have energy for other people, and yet I keep doing these things. I can only think it is Jesus surprising me over and over again with his love for me. He keeps opening my heart, and I can't help but say yes. I'm not a do-gooder, and I don't feel very energetic during the day, yet I go around doing this a lot. I guess it's because I can't live without beauty, so I have to go where I've seen it. And, like, these people make these, like, tremendous sacrifices, and very often, I think we can, like, surprise ourselves in front of these things. But, like, Father Vince is like, I can't live without beauty, and I have to go where I've seen it. And for them, it was, like, this, this experience of, like, the beauty of the sacrifice of the Mass. Yeah, um... Sorry, I don't know if I interrupted you, but um, that reminds me of um, something John Paul II says in, I don't know if it's like a letter or whatever, but um, it's called Givenness, and he says that like beauty awes us into work, and I just like have been meditating on that a lot, and I feel like that just relates to what you're saying about meaning too. Like, if there's this beautiful thing we're striving for, like heaven, or like doing God's will, um, loving him, serving other people, like that awes us into work, and like everything becomes more meaningful. And I feel like that kind of transitions into like another thing that struck uh, me and Ben as well, I think is talking about the work that they were doing in the camp being meaningful. But I have another quote that I'll read um, that I really liked. Um, And this is talking about Jesus. So Father Walter was just kind of um, thinking about how Jesus worked as a carpenter. Um, He said, he worked day in and day out for some 20 years to set us an example to show us that these routine chores, too, are not beneath man's dignity or even God's dignity, that simple household tasks and the repetitious works of the wage earner are not necessarily evils but noble and redemptive works worthy of God himself. Work cannot be a curse if God himself undertook it. To eat one's bread in the sweat of one's brow is to do nothing more or less than Christ himself did, and he did it for a reason. 
He did it for years on end. He did it for more than three quarters of his life on earth to convince us that God has not asked of us anything more tedious, more tiring, more routine and humdrum, more unspectacular than God himself has done. He did it to make it plain that the plainest and dullest of jobs is, or at any rate can be, if viewed properly in respect to God and to eternity, a sharing in the divine work of creation and redemption, a daily opportunity to cooperate with God in the central acts of his covenant of salvation. Sorry, that was long, but <laughs> I just really loved it. Um, yeah, I don't know if you had any thoughts, Ben, on that too. Yeah, I also really liked that chapter um, on work. And there was another quote that stood out to me. Um, and it says, there's little we can say about the jobs we do or have done that could not be said of the work God himself did when he became a man. And that just really stood out to me, just the fact that we can always relate ourselves back to Jesus and God in incarnation, like the fact that he took on human flesh and did everything that we did, knows the feelings, the struggles of work. And I think just being and remembering that just gives me so much peace, like in those times where it's difficult, when the work can be boring, tedious, I'm wondering like why do I have to do this silly little project or something like that it just gives me peace that God has done the same thing and he's given us an example. And and it also mentions like the healing and like the the ministering of the sacrament like of Jesus' life. That was such a small portion of his life like the 20 or 30 years before like he was a working man and just always remembering that also just gives me so much peace. Yeah, cuz I I find it so easy to have so many objections to the tedium of like paperwork for weddings and it's almost this like this isn't what I signed up for I want to work with the couple I don't want to do the paperwork you know but this is actually part of it and we can constantly think of our circumstances as our enemy and actually try to get rid of those circumstances so we can have just like the good part of life man how much more so like in the difficulty of studies you know or when you're working on something very specific and asking like the hardest crying out what is the point of this? And because what what was the exact work that he was doing in the labor camp? It wasn't. It was like shoveling things. Not <laughs> not very good work. There's one quote. He said it's the he he knew work at its worst. It was the most brutal, most degrading, the most dehumanizing work. I mean, just hearing that, just like, I mean, that doesn't compare to like the work that we do here at school. But in the fact that he also said that, like, he still took pride in that work because. He saw the work as God's will for him. And I think just in every situation, if we can kind of have that same mindset, seeing each situation, each passing moment as God's will for us, I think that also provides peace um, and help us and can help us fix our mindset to take pride in everything that we do. Because like even hearing you say that and read that, it's like what I did, what I actually desire is not to cut corners, but to do work well and mm -hmm. be able to offer even like the tedium to him like what what I really discover in myself is what I what I actually desire is to do that and yet it's real difficult you yeah. know another one of the the chapters that I really liked um, was on humility it was a little bit later in the book but just kind of to set the background for it um, this was it was after he was out of the labor camp so he was out back in the real world again um, and he had found this one little parish or had formed a parish in a town that he was in. What was the name of the town? I can't remember. <laughs> I just love the pronunciation. It was of a hard word. You're trying to make him say. <laughs> so, yeah. Nor, Norilsk. <laughs> it was. I don't know how to pronounce it. What's the correct pronunciation? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you trying? <laughs> but that was the town, and he had just had like a beautiful Easter ceremony. 
like seeing the amazing faith of the people there, um, like people crowding into this little hut, staying 24 hours just so they could be like in front of the altar and like see Jesus in the, in the sacrifice of the mass. Um, and like he said that he had stayed up for like 48 hours, like doing blessings for Easter. Like he was completely exhausted, but he was so like deeply satisfied. And he had built like this great parish there. But then he, a police officer of the KGB told him like, okay, you have to leave enough of the work you're doing here. Your missionary work is not needed. Like you can leave and never come back. Um, if you come back, like you'll see what happens. So, I mean, that was like a huge blow to him. Like he had found so much peace with this community and then he was told to leave right out of the blue. Um, and he starts talking about humility. Um, and the definition that he gives is it, humility is nothing more or less than knowing our place before God. Um, and that one line, that little quote, is probably the thing that stuck out to me the most um, from this book. Just always think about that like in every situation, um, like whatever happens, just understanding um, our place before God. Um, and then he also touches briefly on like humiliations and how much we resent them as humans. Like it's natural for us to resent them um, because it hurts our pride. And that's something that I'm very bad at. I hate being humiliated. I always say I don't like doing things that I'm not good at. Um, and over break, one of the things I did, I went ice skating and I am absolutely terrible <laughs> at ice skating. And it was just humiliating and I hated it so much. And I just like didn't want to do it. I like, I did it for a little bit, but then stopped. And someone, one of my friends said, it's good for your pride. It helps you understand and like deal with those humiliations. It's good for your pride. It's just kind of taking that mindset with things um, a little bit more. One of the quotes from Father Walter, he says, for humiliations arise out of the circumstances, situations, and people that God presents to us each day. And all of these are but a manifestation of his providence. So kind of just understanding again, like every situation, everything we go through is his will, but like it's also an opportunity for us to conform deeper to his will. And just understanding and really thinking about that definition of humility, like understanding our place before God, his ways aren't our ways. Like every situation we get into, just understanding just the great power and providence that he has really, really stood out to me. So I really enjoyed that chapter. Yeah, I think that's um, a really good point and something that I'm not the best at because I like to be good at things. And I think anyone who's at tech is probably really successful mm -hmm. up to this point. And so I think it's hard to be bad at something or to like, like you were saying with ice skating, to be like uncomfortable and to like be in that like awkwardness. But I think that's where we realize that we need Jesus. And mm -hmm. that's like some of the like best encounters for me are when I have like realized that I can't do it. And I finally like surrendered and been like, I just don't have like what I need to like conquer this situation. So I think that's, I don't know, a cool point that you mm -hmm. made. I was actually talking to my best friend yesterday about he's reading this theologian who it's kind of like his memoirs as he was dying and that this theologian like a brilliant and a theologian and a holy man but he discovered that as he was dying that he was afraid and even though he knows Christ and he was saying that this shouldn't surprise him but part of the funny thing is having this sense of almost like we're the exception of like these things happen to other people but not to us. So then suddenly in the discovery that you're dying, it's like, oh, moi, like me. And saying that, like, it's such a scandal of like, yeah, like you, you too, like you too will not be here anymore. And what this theologian was actually saying is the antidote is humility to be on, on like to be on your knees because it, we have this sense of 
Like we want to be good at things. We want almost life to point towards us, right? Or we, we like hate to be humiliated, but like to die is, is it, can, you know, like to suddenly like discover like weakness and, and you're like, it's humiliating, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so fascinating. Like he's saying the same thing of like our, underneath it is this discovery of our deep pride of we almost always think of ourselves as the exception to the rule of like other people can get sick this will happen to other people but like not really to me you know mm-hmm. other people can suddenly have tragedy or be suddenly poor or whatever but like not moi you know so there's a beauty and a providence to god revealing this to us because at the end of our lives like it it will be revealed to us <laughs> you know and something i'll add really quick it just kind of like goes along the, the story that i said it's like after he basically got kicked out of one place and he talks about humility for a little bit um, and just like learning to accept that that all things come from God and like this is a good thing like good things will come out of this like the example of good thing coming out of this like as soon as he got off the plane um, and landed in the new place he was which is Krasnoysark um, (laughs) excellent So he gets there and he checks in at the police station like he has to and the person that's checking him in says well he, he asked him if like he knew any Catholics or like knew, knew any priest or something like that and he like waited to reveal that he was a priest um, but like these people they had a parish and their priest just died a, a, pa- a few weeks ago and they like were in need of a priest and he like takes him takes um, Father Walter to the to the community and like introduces them um, and just like he said he couldn't help but marvel to myself at the manner in which God arranges things just like reading that line um, and like how upset he was about leaving the other parish but just how God works like led him to something new, something greater, a new opportunity to impact the lives of so many other people. Um, I mean, he said he said he had such a feeling of emotion, almost in tears. He preached his first sermon on the providence of God. So seeing just how all those things work out perfectly for God's will, that was definitely had me almost in tears, had me feeling some type of emotion. So it was just a really cool story. I guess my question in all of this is because a lot of this like really does speak to our experience today, like. But in reading this, have you seen a change in yourself at all? Or has there been an invitation in hearing the experience of Father Chizek? Yeah, I think for me, um, we've talked about like God's will a lot. And I think that kind of the message that Father Walter was sharing about God's will really has impacted me. Um, he often just talks about God's will being what he sends you each day, like the people and the places and the circumstances. And I think so often I am grasping to figure out what God's will is and not like, not just for today, but for the next five years. And so I think for me, it's been really beautiful to kind of rest in the present moment and recognize that, yeah, I should seek what he wants me to do in each day, but that's enough for today. And I'm not gonna be able to predict what's gonna happen. Like he didn't know he was gonna be moved to, I'm not gonna Mm -hmm. try to say that name. (laughs) Um, Or like he was moved multiple times. He didn't know what was ahead, but seeking God's will each day gave him peace and so. I think that's something I've been trying to implement into my prayer life, for sure. Yeah, I would agree with what Sarah is saying, and then also kind of going back to what Ben was saying earlier. I think it's really easy for me, and I think a lot of people, to have this idea of like what life should look like today and next week and a year from now and 10 years from now, and then to be just so like stuck in that and trying to like get God's will to conform to ours. But like Sarah was saying, it's really like the circumstances of every day, and that's what he sent us. And so it's like our job to just like do what we can do today. 
um, and to be faithful today. And then, you know, tomorrow we'll see like what will come and, and just to trust that, like Ben was saying, like the Lord will provide and that there was such a, a beautiful community for Father Walter when he got to his new location. So I think it's just helped me think like, okay, Lord, like here we are this day today, like let's get through this day and then not thinking as much about the future and not obsessing over what will come later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just echo everything they said about just like better understanding God's will and how it works in our life. Sarah mentioned it, but like each God's will comes through each like person experience that we encounter each day. Like we don't have to search for it in those moments. Like it's those moments themselves that are God's will and just accepting that. And something Father Walter discovered kind of a little bit at the beginning when he was discerning if he should go to Russia or like when he first got there, like God's will, we just have to leave ourselves out of it. We can't put our own desires or what it should be or expectations into it. We just have to let his will happen and kind of just leave the self out of it. Because that was the part that surprised you a lot, Kate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I was, so this is kind of jumping back to the beginning of the book. So for those of you who haven't um, read it, at the very beginning of the book, he's actually in Poland, I believe, and is faced with the dis- this decision of whether or not he should enter Russia. And it is, it's a really hard decision for him because he has all these people in Poland that he's taking care of. He has kind of his parish and it's hard for him to decide, like, should he stay with these people and care for them or should he go into Russia and find the people there? And I was just really struck by um, the difficulty of that decision, kind of his process of discernment. And he says, so he he decides he's going to stay in Poland. Um, And then he says, yet hardly had I made that decision in all sincerity and with firm conviction than I was again distraught. I felt no peace, no joy, no ease of heart at having finally resolved my problem. Prayer became difficult, almost impossible. I felt my faith was weakened, that I had come to this decision by listening to the voice of reason rather than by listening to the voice of God. So yeah, just after that, then he does end up deciding to go to Russia and then everything that you've heard us talk about already. But I do think I was just really struck by what seemed like maybe a good option, you know, to stay with the people. And these people that were in front of him really did need him, wasn't actually what God was calling him to. And then he had to kind of go along and there are so many challenges in Russia and so many um, problems that he faced but that was really what God's will was for him Um, all these situations that he encountered and these people that he was able to minister to later in the camps I'm so great this is a weird thing to say but I'm so grateful for how much Father Walter suffered just in the sense of when we talk about doing the will of God or that Christ shows up and things like that people can always say yeah well you're just naive that's nice those are nice words but we live in reality and this is a man who suffered immensely and was in like a situation where of of such control of like the amount of food being monitored that's being given to him when he's in solitary confinement or like the difficulty of the work camps or even you go to this town and you're supposedly free and the first thing you need to do is check into the police station so they can monitor you you know and yet like he genuinely believes and recognizes Christ and says hey like like your greatest joy is in doing the will of God and I think those things are very easy to say and people can have like no people they're very easily dismissible until you meet someone who has suffered them uh in their like own flesh and blood and like risk their humanity on it and again like we don't wish anybody suffering but I I am supremely grateful to Father Chizek that he risked on these things and he suffered them and like verified them in his own flesh and blood Um, because I like I need that witness you know it's a lot harder to say 
like you're naive or you're just wrong to a man as like intelligent and good and who has suffered as much as Father Chizek has. Like you have like no credibility in front, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, well, great. Thank you guys so much. This was really helpful. Um, I'm really glad you guys read it. Um, again, see Father John about your free tip play. <laughs> Not me. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to the Georgia Tech Catholic Center podcast. And we'll see you guys next time we talk about the next book. Bye. 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 <laughs>